The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. They're also great givers and bless people all the time in unseen ways. And they are just an awesome blessing to our church. So thank you guys for all that you do. We appreciate it. All right. All right, today's going to be fun. We're going to have a breakthrough day, uh, and your breakthrough today is absolutely 100% completely and totally guaranteed. How do you like that, Jason? Complete, absolute, guaranteed breakthrough. Here's the guarantee. You'll have 100% complete breakthrough, or you can have your problem back, okay? That's up to you, okay? But if you don't, you don't get a breakthrough, you get your, your problem back 100%. Uh, no questions asked, I'll get it right back to you. But we're going to read Psalms 103, verse 3. This says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and all of my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. This is David talking, and we've talked about this each week that I've been up here this month, but it is him even telling himself, Praise the Lord, O my soul, my inmost being. In other words, everything that's in me, all of it, everything that's in me, praise the Lord and give thanks to the Lord. Not a little bit of me, not part of me, but all of me, everything that's in there, come out and praise the Lord. And so when we're talking about radical gratitude, that's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about, you know, that you have a gratitude hat and a gratitude shirt and a gratitude bumper sticker and stuff or that you talk cool when you say it. Radical means at its core. So if you hear someone there like a radical in a particular political belief or a particular religion or a particular thing, the radicalness is that they are so consumed by that. It's so much at their core that their entire life is dictated by that. And so radical gratitude simply means that we are so filled with gratitude that it literally dictates the way that we live our life. We don't live our life based on the circumstances or on the things that are going on or the things that we see happening around us or by what someone else does or doesn't do to or for us, but we actually live our life based on this gratitude that's coming out of who we are and how we view God and how we view the world. So that's what we're working on. And why is that important? It's because the Bible tells us that we enter his courts with thanksgiving and we enter his presence with praise. So we actually come into God's courts and his presence with thanksgiving and with praise. It also tells us that in his presence is fullness of joy. And so there's a little pathway here. If you're playing a board game, it's only a three-step one. So even our culture today can have the attention span for this one board game. Okay? Start, gratitude, presence, joy. Boom, end of game. That's it. It's a simple formula. You want more joy in your life. You want to have more uh, excitement in your life. You want to have less stress, less anxiety, less discouragement, less depression, less of all these things that weigh us down and wear us out. Thankfulness and gratitude leads to the presence of the Lord, and the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Pretty easy formula to say. Pretty easy formula to write down. Sometimes it's harder to live. But that is the formula. It doesn't change. The same as it was. It's the same that it is. And so reading on 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So God's will for your life, you say, well, I don't know what God's will is. I'm praying to find out God's will. I'm hoping to understand God's will. Hey, what's your plans? I don't know. I'm praying on God's will. Here's God's will for you. According to this passage, to make this super clear, super easy. It is for you to give thanks in all circumstances. Whatever you're going through in your life, whatever's happening, that God's will for you is to live a thankful and grateful life. That's his will. It's just that simple. 
Well, I know, but I need to pray longer. I need to fast. I need to figure it out. No, this is the beginning of it. Is thankfulness to God is the very first place to start when we want to walk out his will for our life. And so that's playing catch-up. Carrie last week talked about gratitude being a choice. That's as simple as getting up in the morning, putting your shoes on, making your bed, and saying, God, thank you for this day. I thank you for it. I don't know what's happening today, but your mercies are new every morning. I thank you that I get this chance. You know, yesterday was awful. But Lord, I thank you that I woke up this morning and I got another shot at another day. Thank you that you're with me. Yesterday's over. I thank you for today. You know what the best thing about yesterday was? That it led to today. That's still something to be thankful for. Yesterday was so bad that the only purpose I really felt it had was to just get me through until I could get to today. Today's good. Today's an opportunity for God to move. Today's an opportunity for God to work. Today's an opportunity for me to experience the presence of the Lord and to love on others and to be his hands and feet. Today is a new day. Every single day we have that opportunity. So we're going to talk today about what I'm going to call heart cavities, and this is what it is. There's things that in our life that we consume that get stuck in our teeth. You ever been to lunch with somebody and you're sitting across from them and they're talking to you and the whole time you can just see that big chunk of black pepper like right there? And you're just talking to them the whole time and you're thinking, man, I love pepper. I would like to lick that piece of pepper right off of his tooth, but that's probably disgusting. I probably shouldn't do that. Maybe I should tell him about it. And you're thinking to yourself, and you have no idea what they just said. They're crying, they're talking about how... You know, their parent just died or something tragic, and all you're thinking about is, there's a piece of pepper that's right there. Totally distracting. You ever had something stuck in your own tooth, and you didn't know it was there, and like a couple days later, part of your gum swells up, and you just feel it's all pressured there, and it's kind of sensitive, and you're pushing on it, trying to figure out what's going on, and then finally you're like looking through your bathroom door, and you realize, oh my gosh, there's dental floss. What is this? You pull it out, and you look at it, and it's still wrapped in plastic. It's never been opened. It's from like 1987. You open it up, and you're like, dental floss, yes. And you're getting this thing out because there's something stuck in your tooth. Okay, in life, we have these things that we go through and that we kind of consume, relationships, jobs, discouragements that happen to us, offenses that people do to us, all these different circumstances that happen through life, and they're kind of coming into our life. We're kind of consuming them, and most of them process just fine, but sometimes things get stuck, and we just try to go about life, but they're just there. You know, that person said something to me at work, and it was like two months ago. But every time I go to work, it's all I think about now. I just think about it. You know, I think about it. Nobody here actually likes me. I only have my job because I've been here long enough that they can't fire me. And, and no, they don't know how to replace me. But nobody likes me. Nobody wants me here. Well, somebody said that weeks ago, months ago, but it's still stuck there. Something that happened with your dad or your mom or some, some relative of yours. You know, maybe an abuse situation. Maybe words that were said. Maybe neglect. Maybe the fact that they were never there, but it just sticks. And you go through life all the time, and you're thinking, man, I just gotta, I just gotta move forward, and everything's fine, it's all going good. But in reality, you just can feel just the sensitivity, and people that are talking to you are looking at you, and you're talking about all kinds of other things in life, but they're just, as you're talking and trying to listen, they're staring at you and they're thinking, man, that guy's got his abandonment from his father just stuck right in his tooth, man. It's just coming out of everything he says. And that guy's got that bankruptcy that he went through just stuck in his tooth. It just seems to be affecting his perspective on life and everything he's going through, that loneliness, that whatever it is, but it just seems to be stuck there. And we just try to move on. It's like, well, I'll just forget about it. I'm going to move on. What happens if you leave something 
just stuck in your tooth, you don't worry about getting it out. You're just going to move on. Eventually what? Eventually you get a cavity. Eventually it actually just starts to rot in there. It just starts to rot it out. And because it was ignored, it just begins to rot. And so sometimes we leave these things in there hoping that they'll just go away. But the reality is they just get stuck. And eventually just the pain starts and we can't ignore it anymore. It starts affecting other areas of our life. They start spreading around our mouth and other areas, and it just changes kind of our whole experience of life, even though other things might be going good. And we're like, well, how did this happen? Well, it happened because there was just this thing that was just stuck there, and you just wouldn't get it out. It created a bitterness. It created this heart issue. It created this kind of whole world thing that was built around it in your life, and it just began to infect other areas, and eventually there was just nothing you could do to ignore it anymore. And you're just kind of stuck, like, well, now what do I do? Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what Jesus did when he went through things that were disappointing or difficult and how he addressed those. And so we're going to turn to Luke 9, verses 12 to 17. I'm going to read through this, but this is how Jesus did gratitude. And he did gratitude in difficult situations where he was going through hard things that could have been frustrating, disappointments, people letting people down, or, or just not having what he needed at the time. But in this story, it says, late in the afternoon, the twelve, it's talking about his disciples, they came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place here. And he replied, no, you give them something to eat. So Jesus is preaching. This is the scene. Jesus is preaching. He's teaching the people about the kingdom of God. And here he is. He's watching over everything, and he's watching over all the people, and he's got all these people. Now, think of how far he traveled. Okay, he came all the way from heaven down to earth to do his mission. And now he's here, and he's got all these people. He's got thousands of people gathered together to finally hear the mission. He gets halfway into his message, and his disciples come up and say, hey, uh, we should probably send everybody away. Why? Well, people are hungry. Like, he came all the way here. He's walking out and living life here among us, to do that, and in the middle of it, everybody's going to leave to go get something to eat. Have you ever had something really important to share, something really important to do, and you get to the people that you're supposed to share that with or do that with, and you're kind of like halfway into sharing it, and you can realize like, woohoo, they are not there. They don't care about what you're talking about. They don't care about the sacrifice you made. They don't care about the effort that you've put in. You don't care about the, they don't care about the love you've shared. They don't care about the work you've put in. They don't care about the sacrifice and the time and the energy. They don't care that you're sharing from your very heart. Like, you're opening up. You're sharing something so important. And they're just like, whoop. Hey, I, I, I think that that one new restaurant's open. We should go get something to eat. And you're like, anybody ever had that kind of situation before? How does that feel? It feels pretty hurtful, right? It feels pretty painful just to be trying to share and trying to give of yourself and people just totally not connecting on that level. Have you ever given someone a job to do where they're supposed to be on your team working with you and you say, you know what, okay, this is your responsibility, you take care of it, and then you come back later and you're in the middle of doing your part of the job and then they come back and they say, oh, by the way, um, could you take care of my side too? Have you ever had that happen? And you feel like, I gotta do everything myself, like all of it. I gotta do everything. Like I gotta, I gotta cook. I gotta clean. I gotta put the stuff away. I gotta shop. I gotta go work and buy it. I gotta do all of it. Like who else is gonna help me? Who else is gonna fold the laundry? 
And all of you dads are with me, wishing that your wives would do something to help. <laughs> We're digging into that right now. But that's the feeling sometimes. Who's going to help me? Well, Jesus is here. He's in the middle. He's sharing his message, his passion. He's got 12 people out of all the earth that he recruited to be his companions, his workers, his helpers. And he's got them all there. And they interrupt his message to tell, them about a, tell him about a problem that they could solve. But they don't have the faith for it. They don't have the vision for it. They don't have the courage for it. They don't have any, They just, you know what, let's pass it on to him. He'll take care of it. And he just looks and says, you know what, you give him something to eat. You take care of it. And they're like, well, us? We're just following you around hoping something good happens to us. That's all. We're just hoping that like, you're going to put us at the right hand when you get to heaven. I mean, we're going to be like at the top. How am I going to put you at the top? You can't even figure out how to feed some people. i got to do it all. And so he tries to push it back on him. He tries to give them something to do. And so they continue. They say, well, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. So unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, right? There's some sarcasm in here. Jesus says, you know what? You give them something to eat. Well, this is all we got unless we go buy them some food. We don't have money to go buy all these people food. We can't take care of them. Do you want us to do it? And they're pushing it off. And so Jesus is sitting in this circumstance. And so here's how he deals with it. Now, how would you deal with it, first of all? If you were in the middle of something so important and you've traveled a long ways, gone through all kinds of sacrifice and difficulty to share your heart, to invest in people, and not only are they all disinterested, but now people are coming and asking you to be the one to take care of everybody. Plus, now you've got to buy everybody lunch. So you're just like, I'm just trying to share. I'm already sacrificing. Now, that's you. How would you deal with it? I know how I would deal with it. Probably not like Jesus. I'd be pretty upset. I'd be pretty frustrated. I would probably pack up and leave. This probably would have been when I would have you know, ascended back to heaven. I'd been like, out. See ya. And I probably would have kicked my dust off my feet as I flew up, just kicking down on them. Just flew out. I'm out. I've been frustrated. I've opened my heart up, my home up, my finances up, my time up, my energy up to try to help someone, and then they just waste it, squander it, reject it, or don't seem to care very much about it. And it's been frustrating. And sometimes I've handled it well, sometimes I haven't handled it well. Live long enough, and there'll be plenty of things you don't handle well. Because we're people, right? You're not the only one. We all go through stuff where we look back and say, man, I wish I could have handled that better. But this is the situation. So what does Jesus do? Jesus says to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And the disciples did so, and everyone sat down. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven. Now here's where the part that's interesting goes. He could have done anything. Now, even if I was going to do a miracle, I would have done that out of frustration. So you know what? Set everybody down. Here's the bread. Bam! lots of bread, give it to them. Tell them to shut up. I'm trying to share a message right now. Okay? I'm saving them from hell. Okay? Feed them. Bunch of fatties. Stuff them full. Then they'll fall asleep and won't hear the rest of what I have to say anyway. Right? I mean, all my frustration would be coming out of this situation. But this is what he does. Sits them down says that he takes the five loaves, the two fish, he looks up to heaven, and he gave thanks. Can I ask you what he gave thanks for? What is he possibly giving thanks for in that moment? Unruly people, ungrateful people, lack, 
If I read you the quantities again, five loaves and two fish. Number of people, about 5,000 men were there. That doesn't include women, doesn't include kids, that's just the men. Was he thankful for the people who don't seem to care about what he's saying? They're more hungry than listening to God. Thankful for his disciples who don't seem to be any help and are sarcastic when he tells them to take care of it. Say, well, we don't have anything. You want to give us some money? Is he thankful for the provision because it ain't enough? How many of you guys have prayed for provision and you need to pay a bill? You need something to happen. Something's got to take care of this. Like, I'm going to lose my home. I'm going to lose my mortgage. I'm going to lose my car. i got to have this medical need met. And you pray and provision comes in, but guess what? It's not enough. Well, that's the situation. It comes in. It's not enough. But this is what he does. He looks up to heaven. He gave thanks. And then he broke them. He gave them to the disciples. They distributed to the people. And they all ate, were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over and gave it out. The blessing came after the gratitude. But the gratitude at the time didn't make any sense because it wasn't natural gratitude. It wasn't flesh gratitude. Well, my flesh feels satisfied, so thank you. It was a faith gratitude. I see and I believe that God is able. I see and I believe that he will. And so I give thanks because this is all you need to provide. This is all that you need to take care of. This isn't enough for me, but it's enough for you. Thank you. I know this will work out. I know you care about us. I know that your love and mercy follow me all the days of my life. I'm going to, as the song said, praise before my breakthrough. Thank you. And so what could have become something stuck and wedged in his heart, a frustration, an agitation, a bitterness of people who have disappointed, let down, been disinterested. Instead, he basically just took gratitude and he just flossed it right out. Just boom, gone. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. And I break this. And then blessing flowed through that. Here's another story. John 11, 38 to 43. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, he came to the tomb. This is his friend Lazarus, who's dead. It says it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And they take away the stone. He said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. He stinks. It's gross. He's in there. It's too late. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, check this out, I thank you. It's the start of his prayer. Father, I thank you. For what? What's he grateful for? If you read the whole story, I didn't read the whole thing, but it's an interesting story if you read the whole thing and go back in there. But he was in the middle of doing other work, ministering to other people. Lazarus was sick. They called him to come and help Lazarus out. But he was busy serving and helping other people, so he didn't get there in time. So then he gets there, not because he was out partying somewhere. He gets there late because he was out serving and trying to help other people. Because there's no one else that can help. There's no one else that can do it. And then he gets there, and it's too late. And people are complaining. There's people that don't even want to come out. Martha, who in the Bible gets a bad rap as the busybody, and Mary's the one in another story that sits at Jesus' feet while Martha's working everywhere. 
In this story, if you read the whole thing, Mary stays home because she doesn't believe that anything else can change. She knows Jesus is there. She doesn't even come out. Martha, the busybody, comes out and talks to him and says, you know what, something can happen. She goes back and gets Mary. And they're talking, and she's trying to get people, hey, this can happen. And so he rolls away the stone. The body stinks. It's all gross. The whole situation's bad. They're disappointed in Jesus. One comes out and says, you know, if you would have come sooner, it wouldn't have been too late, but you're already too late. They're complaining. They're telling him it won't work. It's done. It's dead. It's your fault. Not because you're selfish. It's your fault because you were serving, but you were serving the wrong people. You were doing the wrong thing. You ever been in a situation where you feel like, man, I'm giving everything I have. I'm doing the best that I can, but gee, I turn around and I've still let somebody down. Somebody's upset with me. I've frustrated some. Somehow I've still dropped the ball. I did the best I could do. Apparently it's not good enough. Well, in that situation, what would you do? I know what I'd do. It's not this. I've been frustrated like that. I've been upset like that. Over 23 years of marriage, both my wife and I have both packed our bags, thrown in the car, and said, you'll see me in a few days. And then went out and sat in the driveway. When I was a little kid, I used to run away all the time. I packed my stuff, told my mom, you'll never see me again. There's seven kids in the family. Well, plus always a couple cousins. So you just got ignored all the time is what happened. Like you just, nobody noticed you were there hardly. So to get attention every now and then, that's fine. You'll never see me again. And I'd throw my stuff in and I'd go down like three houses down. I'd sit behind a bush and I'd look around and I'd stare at the door like, is my mom going to come and get me? Jesus could have done anything here. Things didn't go his way. He could have taken his ball and gone home. He could have just said, you know, I'm out. Forget it. I'm frustrated. I quit. That's what a lot of us would do in similar situations. There's not enough faith here anyways. I'm overwhelmed. But Jesus looks up. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. For I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people that are standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. He wasn't thankful for what was going on around him. He wasn't thankful that there was a death. He wasn't thankful that it was too late. He wasn't thankful that people were frustrated. But he turns and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, that you always hear me. What's he thankful for? He's thankful for his relationship and connection to the Father, saying, you know what? I know that you're here. I know that you care for me. I know that whatever's going on right now that you're already aware of, you already hear me, you've always heard me, that you are in control, that the situation is yours, and so I thank you. You know, some of you today are in situations where you look around, you're like, man, it's too late, it's too hard, it already stinks, I can't fix it. Maybe it's a finance issue, a health issue, a relational issue. Maybe it's an addiction issue, a mental issue, an emotional issue. It's too late. Yeah, I went through abuse, and you know what? It's too late, because I've heard I should have got counseling when I was a kid, and it's just so stuck in there now, I can't get it out. It would never come out. It's just, it's, it's messed up my whole person. I don't think right, I don't feel right. No matter how hard I try, it just it's stuck. Can't get it out. Well, what Jesus is modeling here is that we can go in faith to the Father in heaven and say, thank you that you know. 
Thank you that it's not too late. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you are able and willing to change this. So this is the kind of gratitude that we're talking about. It's not fleshly gratitude. It's not gratitude based on what I've seen, touched, tasted, felt. Well, my bills are due in two weeks. So I'm going to spend the next two weeks so stressed out and just praying that God will provide. But we know God's faithful. We know God loves you. We know that God cares for you. So what he's modeling here is to go and say, you know, I'm going to spend the next two weeks thanking God for being good, for hearing me, for being aware, for caring. Because he's good, because he loves me. It's a proactive gratitude. It comes before things are done. This is modeled all throughout the Bible. Walls of Jericho came down after the people rejoiced and circled around and around. I mean, you can read so many stories in the Bible, and you'll see that God brings praise and gratitude and thankfulness, and then after that comes breakthrough. He just does it again and again. So I have Jen, you want to pass those around? I'm going to pass these sheets around. We do this every so often, probably every, I don't know, four to six weeks or so. Um, but we're going to do it today. So just let me tell you, I do see a few new people here. So take a deep breath all the way in. Okay, if you are an introvert, do not leave. I used to hide in my closet, literally in the closet, shut the door, hide behind the clothes when people came to my house. That's a fact. That's not a story. That's not a fairy tale. That is me. I was so introverted and so scared of people so much social anxiety that I literally would go in my closet, shut the door, and hide behind the clothes. So if you're here and you're like, I am socially anxious and introverted, and I came 15 minutes late so no one could talk to me, and I sat in the back row so no one could talk to me, and I went to the bathroom six times so no one could talk to me, I used to do all those things. Jesus said, by this, so know you're my disciples, that you love one another. The only way for you to be in a community where you can feel loved and where you can love others is to stick around long enough for people to get to know you, the Bible says love is patient, love is kind, it believes all things, it bears all things. How can it do that if it doesn't stick around long enough to be annoyed? Why would you need patience? So you got to stick around long enough to get to know people and then to dislike people. And then after that comes love. It's like, I've been around you long enough not to like you and I've worked through that, now I love you. That's how it works. Because I know you well enough. So what we're going to do right now is that we are going to, in about... 60 seconds, we're going to break up into little huddles. So, with who? Just look around, whoever's near you will do just fine. Don't worry, they might be just as socially anxious as you are, that's okay. We're going to break up into little huddles, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at your sheet, and on this sheet, there's a list here of 32 different possible things that could get stuck in your heart. Okay, so this is what I want you to do. we got things on here, hell. Man, my health's been bad for a long time, and my health frustrates me and scares me, makes me nervous, and it's just been stuck. I'm not grateful for it. These are things that you have a hard time expressing gratitude for because you haven't seen it break through. I've been praying for my health. It hasn't worked, and I can't be thankful for that. Health care. I can't be thankful because my health care is too expensive, and I can't pay the deductible, and there isn't enough care, and the doctors I have aren't very good. I can't be thankful for it. Well, it's stuck. So this is what we're talking about. My appearance. If I was better looking, well, you know what? We all look how we look. God made us that way. But sometimes people get stuck on that. Man, my life would be different if I looked different. 
well, I'm sorry to say, but you can't look like me. There's only one of me. That's it. And my hair looks good every day. Every day I get up, it looks just as good as it did the day before. Praise God. Maybe your intelligence. Man, I'm just not very smart. I could have done a lot more. It seems like I just can't quite be smart enough. I can never break through. So you get the point on some of these things. Finances. Man, my finances are just never good enough. They're just never, I'm always short. And you'll know it's something that gets stuck because as you're going through trying to do this 30 days of gratitude, which is what we're talking about, don't say anything negative verbally or through body language. Right? Don't post negative things, but post gratitude, talk gratitude, be grateful. The thing that gets stuck in your tooth is this thing that keeps on coming out of your mouth when you're trying to be grateful, but this is the one thing that you keep on complaining about. I can be thankful about everything else, but this one thing keeps getting stuck. Well, you only need one good thing stuck in your tooth to have some pretty bad breath. So where everything coming out of your mouth seems to just be a discouragement. It seems to be something that's doing that. So looking through these, this is what I want you to do, is take the number next to the one that you feel like is something that really just gets stuck and you're having a hard time being grateful for. Okay, I want you to write that number right in between one of those teeth, like it's just stuck in there. So if yours is something to do with your past failures, number 27, just write 27 right between those teeth. I want you to visualize that just being a cavity just stuck in there. That thing is sticking right in there, man. I gotta get that thing out of that spot. Okay, so read through those and think that through. These are the kinds of things that we are walking through without really just stopping for a minute and looking at our lives and saying, you know, this is actually happening to me right now. Like, I need to every once in a while open my lips, look at the mirror, and check my teeth. Am I doing okay? Because if you're not, that's going to impact your life, okay? So let's break up. I'm going to count down from 10, and then we stand up. Break up into little groups. And so I want, you, I want you to look at that and talk about your teeth. Okay, I want you to talk about some things that you feel like, man, this kind of gets stuck for me. You don't have to share your most personal, intimate one, but share something. Say, you know what, this kind of is something I've had struggled with being thankful for because it's a hard area of my life. Talk about that. Encourage each other in that. And then we're going to pray together that God will bring something out of there and express some gratitude for it. In that group, maybe you've had a hard time expressing gratitude. Express gratitude with the people that you're sitting with. Man, I've had a hard time expressing gratitude for this, but I want to say thank you, Lord, for it right now because God knows me. He cares for me. Okay, and just discuss it a little bit, right? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Ready, go. Okay, break up, move around, shake your body, use your feet, look for somebody that's sitting by themselves. If there's somebody in front of you, beside you, around you. If you're online with us, you won't be able to really do this. Um, but we are breaking up into huddles to talk and to share with each other and to talk through the things that sometimes get stuck in our heart that we haven't necessarily shown a lot of gratitude for. You can start wrapping that up, and we're going to finish out. And, of course, you're always free to continue to talk about it after. But why do we do that? Okay, here's, here's what I want you guys to get out of this. Okay, it's so important to really take a minute sometimes and just examine your life and where you're at in certain areas because it's not... 
the areas that you're doing the best at that will ultimately define your experience walking with the Lord. It's those areas that a lot of times that we just want to push off to the side and, and not deal with. That's the, that's the area. It's not my good teeth that really affect my day a whole lot. It's the one that's got the cavity, and it's like now it's abscess, and it's a problem, and it's affecting me. People don't want to have conversations with me anymore because they can smell it coming out of my mouth. Like the whole thing's a mess, but I don't want to deal with that one. And so I just keep ignoring it. Well, that's the one that ends up impacting everything about my life. And so we have to be willing as believers to trust the Lord enough to take those tough areas, those bad areas, and just come to him and say, Lord, I don't even know how to fix this. I need help. But I thank you that you're able. Can we come with the spirit of gratitude? I thank you that you want to. I thank you that you care. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're for me, not against me. And to begin to claim the promises of God over that and the gratefulness of God over it so that God can begin to get into that and restore it and to change it. If I go every morning, I say, man, I'm going to give thanks to the Lord. I go to the, every morning, I thank God for my wife, and I thank for my kids, and I thank for my finances, and all those things are going amazing. But I'm dealing with something else that I'm really struggling with. What happens when I get done with that 15 minutes of praising the Lord? As I go about my day, and like an hour in, that thing that I'm really struggling with is just, man, it's just, oh, damn, I'm just pushing with my tongue, hitting it with the, I'm just trying... It's bugging me all day long. We've got to get into that peace and say, Lord, this is it. It makes me angry. It hurts. It disappoints. I don't have an answer for it. It scares me. It's too late. But thank you that you're good enough, that you're big enough, that you care for me that you love me and that I don't have to do this myself. And if we can begin to do that and live out of that type of a gratitude, then just like these other stories, we see that God is more than willing and waiting and excited to start bringing the breakthroughs in those things. And our experience and our walk of faith can be totally and completely different. But it is a gratitude of faith not a gratitude of flesh. It doesn't wait until it's satisfied to be thankful. It's thankful in advance because he satisfies. Because we know who he is. We know that he's good. We know that he loves us. So I just encourage you to take your sheet home, finish it if you didn't get a chance to finish it, and then just really look at it and say, man, my teeth are messed up. I need some dentures. Just pull them all. Whatever you need to do, just give it to God, man. Let God get in there. Amen? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing this song one last time as we finish out. And I want you, as you do it, when we sing this song, so I want you to do. I want you to think of that thing that's stuck. Praise and give God thanks for that, for what he's doing in that area, for the victory that he's bringing, that he's already heard you, that he hears you all the time. Amen? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, take your word and to learn from the life of Jesus. God, at what you do with difficult situations. And so, Lord, we want to model that today in our own life. God, we want to follow you, Lord, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Lord, we want to follow you and your example. And so, God, we want to give you thanks, Lord, not just for what's good, but, Lord, thanks that you are good and that you're doing something good in those situations. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and get into this song. Uh, when this song is over, 
or as you feel filled up in it and you feel you're letting go of that thing and being thankful to God, just letting it go, just feel free to go out and get some food, stick around and talk to people. I'm not going to come up and dismiss this again. So just sing and just as you feel a release, just go ahead and leave. Amen. Visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.